welcome to this presentation of Bethel Family Church. We hope you enjoy listening and that it helps you to grow closer to Jesus. We are going to continue on our series that we've been talking about um, for the win, looking at um, living in victory. Uh, when, we, when we talk about the, the whole concept, the whole idea of spiritual warfare and spiritual battles, um, we, we start from a place of, of knowing that in Christ we already have the victory. And this is a, a fantastic place. This gives us a confidence to know that no matter what happens, we know that Jesus wins. And because we're in Christ, because we're in Jesus, we've already chosen the winning side. It's kind of like if you were, you know, you're, you're betting on a football match and you already knew the outcome, it'd be pretty easy to, to win, wouldn't it? You already, you already know. And so it's kind of, it's easy to pick the winning side um, when you have this uh, amazing confidence in, in coming to this place of understanding that Jesus has won. Uh, and we've been talking about, uh, but we've been talking as well about how there are still kind of daily wrestles, daily struggles, daily kind of things that we find that, that challenge us. The enemy still uh, throws things at us and attacks us at times. And we've got to know how to, to live and walk in that victory uh, and how to experience that kind of victory on a day-to-day basis. Uh, and we've been talking about the armour of God, we've been talking about the, the battlefield of the mind and how to, um, to, to win that victory in the area and some strategies for how to put things into place that help us to win. Uh, this morning I want to talk about walking in authority and, and there's kind of like three kind of key areas that I'm going to talk about um, authority this morning and, uh, but I've got like a lot of stuff to get through so we're going to try and do it fairly quickly. So uh, we won't be digging too deep, but I want to cover a lot of ground because it's getting close to Christmas and my holidays and I didn't want to leave things. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> All right, but let's pray before we, we come um, to the Word this morning. Father God, we thank You for Your Word. Lord, I pray that You would help me to, to speak what You've put on my heart with clarity um, and, and with boldness. Lord, I pray that You would give us ears to hear and hearts to receive uh, and minds to understand. Holy Spirit, we pray that You would be speaking to us and that the words that, that, that drill into our spirits this morning, the words that we take away from here, will be Your words this morning. Father God, we pray these things uh, together in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So we're going to talk about, firstly, claiming the authority of Jesus. So when we talk about authority, there is no one uh, in heaven or on earth who has more authority than Jesus. Jesus has been given all authority. Um, it's the only name that we can be saved by. Um, and someday everyone will bow and declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus' name is the ultimate authority in heaven and on earth. And, and claiming the authority of Jesus starts with your decision and declaration that Jesus Christ is absolutely Lord, Master, King, Ruler, whatever word you want to use, over your life. This means that we surrender our will to Jesus. It means we surrender, um, uh, it's complete submission, it's kind of choosing that what Jesus says goes, whether I like it or not. And that's a pretty big call, because it's quite countercultural, isn't it? 
our culture tells us you need to be in charge, you're, you're calling the shots, you're the master of your own destiny, you're, you're in charge of your body, in charge of your decisions, uh, but God says that there's a better way. And when we, we tr- want to be in control and we call the shots and we make the decisions, often things end up with disaster, with depression, with sadness, with dysfunction and, and all kinds of things. But when we allow God to be in control, when we choose to be obedient to His leading and submit to God in our life, then we find that we have peace. We find that we have joy. In the midst of trials, in the midst of difficult circumstances, we can have joy. We can have confidence and, and boldness uh, and we see that um, through, through our life. And if you've made that decision to surrender your, your will and your life to Jesus, the question is, how do you claim that authority on a daily basis in your life? We talked about that idea of, uh, and a lot of what we're going to talk about this morning comes back to this idea of submission and surrender, that if you want to have authority, you need to be under authority. Because here's, here's the reality, and I don't know if this is a shock to you or not, but you don't have uh, the smarts, you don't have the power, you don't have the authority in and of yourself as a human being to be victorious in this life. And so you need the power and you need the authority and you need the wisdom of God, the one who has all authority over everything. And if you want to have His authority, He, he delegates down to those who are under his authority. So we understand a little bit of how that works. So when Jesus encountered that centurion, the centurion says, it's okay, you just say the word because I understand how authority and delegation works. I give an order to one of my subordinates and they, have, they go and carry it out. And he says, you know, and it's that same sort of thing, isn't it? We see that principle if you want to be, uh, if you want to have authority in, in this life and in this world, you have to be under the one who holds all authority. So there are th- Three ways to claim Jesus' authority in your life. And the first is to pray in the name of Jesus. Have a look at this scripture here in John 14, verse 12 to 14. This is Jesus and he's talking to his disciples and he says, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I've done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. And then just for extra emphasis, he repeats it again, just so you didn't miss it the first time. He says, yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Now, that is a scripture that often causes a little bit of confusion when we read it, doesn't it? How many times have you prayed for something and you said, you know, in Jesus' name, amen, and nothing happened and that prayer wasn't answered and, you know, so, so how do we make sense of that? What does it mean to ask for things in Jesus' name? So let me, let me kind of just give you a little bit of an illustration, all right? How many of you remember writing checks? Now, this is a little bit old school, like, but I'm talking to the right crowd here mostly with a few exceptions down here. Um, I don't know if you've ever like paid for something with a credit card and had to sign it or you just, no, it's like all pay wave and pin numbers and stuff these days, isn't it? Do you even have a signature? You, I know you do, you practice yours, yeah, yeah, yeah okay, okay. Sometimes you have, to, you have to sign on the back of your card anyway, don't you? All right. 
But, you know, when you, when you sign a cheque or, you know, that credit card slip and that person that you give that to takes that to the bank, that, that carries your name, doesn't it? You, you put your name on something, it's kind of like you're authorising that transfer of funds, you're authorising that payment, you're authorising and when that person goes and takes that to the bank, the bank will look at that signature and they will believe that you have given your authority for that person to take funds out of your account or whatever that um, thing is for. And, and this, is, this is kind of this, this concept of, um, you know, when we put our name to something it carries or our authority, our authorization. We talk about authorization, don't we? But the thing is that that can be forged, can't it? Like our, our name, our signature can be forged. Just, just because something says my name on the bottom doesn't automatically mean that I've authorised it. Um, uh, if someone stole your credit card and went around buying stuff and, you know, and signing the name on the bottom, uh, you know, you could challenge that purchase. I don't know if that's ever happened to anybody, if your card's ever been stolen, maybe not, that's great, <laughs> I hope it doesn't. <laughs> But just because that person has forged your name or signature on the bottom doesn't mean that that carries your authority. It hasn't been authorised by you. And here's the, the thing, when we pray, just kind of adding in Jesus' name at the end doesn't automatically add Jesus' authority to that prayer. Just because we say, in Jesus' name, Amen, doesn't automatically mean that what we're praying is in line with Jesus. It doesn't automatically mean, that's not kind of what he's saying, if you like. Praying in his name, when Jesus says, ask for things in my name or pray in my name, what, is, what, what I believe that he's saying is to pray in a way that reflects his intentions, to pray in a way that reflects his desires, to pray in a way that carries his authorization because it is in line with what he's called us to do. If we work for a we work for a, a business, say we work for the education department, and they send us out to go and buy some supplies, and we've got authorization. You know, you get the the what do you get the little payment kind of thing, and you don't have to pay out of your pocket. You just sign your name at the bottom, and as a representative of the education department, they send on that bill. But you can't just go out and buy whatever you want. You can only buy what you've been authorized to buy. You can only sign your name to, to purchase something that is in line with the education department's goals and values and, uh, and, and desired outcomes and, and the kinds of things that they're working for. And it's that same sort of concept that, that the prayer that moves heaven to action is the prayer that actually begins in the mind and will of God. And as we begin to, to get the mind and will of God in us, we begin to pray things that reflect God's intentions and reflect God's desires, then God says, hey, yeah. And, and there's this kind of, um, you know, there's this, uh, the power in praying that way. And in, in many ways, that praying in Jesus' name is about praying that kind of prayer that reflects what Jesus wants. And, and you might ask, well, then how do we know what, what is in the mind of God? How do we know what God's will is? How do we know what God's purpose is? I want to I make this statement. I've got it up here on the slide and I, I want you to hear this. The problem that we have 
where often we think we need more authority when we pray, we need more, you know, but we don't need more authority, we need more intimacy. You have, uh, as, a, as a, a servant of Jesus, as a child of God, you have all the authority to pray that you will ever need. But understanding what it is that God wants us to pray for requires that intimacy with God. It's this need to understand what the will of God is because sometimes God doesn't want to change your circumstances. Sometimes you can be praying for God to intervene and to to fix a certain circumstance or to, to change something and God's there going, you know, I don't want to change your circumstance, I want to change you. You remember Paul and he talked about his, his thorn in the flesh and how he prayed multiple times for, for God to take away this thorn in the flesh. Now, did, did Paul just forget to say in Jesus' name at the end of his prayer? <laughs> you know, did, he, did he not have enough faith when he prayed? You know, it's like, well, we kind of, I, I don't believe so. What I believe, because what we, what we read Paul writing is that God wanted, God's answer was, no, I'm not going to take away your thorn in your flesh because I want you to understand that my grace is sufficient for you. I want you to understand that my power is made perfect in your weakness. And sometimes God doesn't answer those prayers to change our circumstances because He wants to actually change us to be able to deal with those circumstances, to be able to have peace and trust God even in the midst of difficult times or in the midst of trials and circumstances. Okay, so pray in Jesus' name. That's number one. Number two, uh, to serve in the name of Jesus. Living with the authority of Jesus and claiming the authority of Jesus in our life isn't just about what comes out of our mouth, but it's about our life. It's about our actions. It's not just about living for Jesus. It's also in, in His name. It's also about living for others in Jesus' name. What comes out of our our lips needs to match up with um, what is outworked in our life. Colossians 3 verse 17, I want to read this from the the Message Bible because I like the, the phrasing here. It says, let every detail in your lives, words, actions, whatever, be done in the name of the Master Jesus, thanking God the Father every step of the way and he goes on and he talks to wives and and he talks to husbands and he talks to children and he talks to parents and he talks to servants and he talks to masters um, and he says whatever uh, realm of life you live in and and we could probably you know continue on with the kind of uh, examples or scenarios we could say you know if you're a brother or a sister if you're a friend if you're an employee if you're a a homemaker if you're a friend if you're a, a citizen live uh, in a way that honours God, live in a way that um, reflects the, the character of the Master Jesus. The point is, kind of whatever realm of life we find ourselves in, and most of us probably would have multiple kind of different roles, you know, or hats that we could put on at different times, don't we? You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a father, uh, I'm a husband, I'm a, a brother, I'm a son... I'm an employee, I'm an employer, in a sense. So um, there are kind of lots of, I'm a citizen, um, there are lots of different kind of uh, roles or hats or I guess realms of my life. 
But here's the, the challenge is that like some of those you'll find for you, for your life, will be easier to live in a way that honours Jesus than others. Isn't it? It's, it's a whole lot easier to, to live in a way that honours Jesus when you're at church on Sunday morning. You know, when, when you're, at, you're at work and you're around a bunch of rough blokes who swear every second word and, you know, talk all, you know, all kinds of degrading stuff about women or, you know, talking about getting hammered on the weekend or, you know, smoking dope or whatever kinds of things that they're talking about, that can be a lot harder to kind of live in a way that, that reflects the name of Jesus in our life. You can kind of take that and extrapolate that. To, not everybody's in that kind of circumstance, I understand, but you know, it was just kind of an example. But there are different aspects of our life. And here's what Paul is saying, is that kind of whatever realm uh, you find yourself in at that moment, live in a way that, that kind of uh, live as a, a Jesus name bearer. Live in a way that, that honours the Master. Serve your spouse. For Jesus' sake. Obey your parents for Jesus' sake. Well, I had to get that in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, serve your boss. Obey your government for Jesus' sake. Because you carry the name of Jesus. You, you know, if how can we say that we are fully submitted to God when the authority that God has appointed over us we refuse to submit to and we don't honor? Now, you don't necessarily have to, to like it or agree with it, but God says, honour them, so honour them. You are the agents of the work that Jesus wants to do through you in His name. So pray in Jesus' name, serve in Jesus' name. Three is battle in the name of Jesus. We talked about putting on the armour of God, we talked about getting ready for spiritual battle. Every day, the closer that we are to Jesus, the more victory you will experience in your life. Let me look at this passage of Scripture in Acts chapter 19. You might be familiar with this one. It says, A group of Jews uh, was travelling from town to town, casting out evil spirits. They tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus in their incantation. You get a sense of where this is going saying, I command you in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, to come out. But one time when they tried it, the evil spirit replied, I know Jesus and I know Paul, but who are you? Then the man with the evil spirit leaped on them, overpowered them and attacked them with such violence that they fled from the house naked and battered. There is no... Uh, there, there's no substitute for relationship with Jesus. There is no magic formula, there is no words that give you authority over the enemy. The only way that we have authority over the enemy is to be under the authority of Jesus, to be fully and completely submitted. You can't fake it. You can't do battle without an intimate relationship with Jesus. You can't fight as an imposter. Sooner or later, your checks are going to bounce. Sooner or later, you're going to get called out like these guys did. You know, and you're going to come up against something that you, know, you don't have authority over if you're not under that authority of Jesus. 
when you adore Jesus, when you focus on Him, when you live under His Lordship in that personal relationship, then we win. All right, so that's claiming the authority of Jesus. Number two is trusting the authority of God's Word. The Bible, as the Word of God, has the transformational power to change our lives and shape us into the likeness of Christ. This is, when we, talk, when we read in Ephesians 6, the, the armour of God, this is the sword of the Spirit, this is the Word of God. And, and, and Paul writes to Timothy and says, you know, show yourself to be an approved workman who can rightly and correctly handle the, the Word of God. And this is one of the greatest uh, assets, the, one of the greatest weapons or tools that we have in this spiritual battle, in this spiritual war, because as we talked about a few weeks ago, remember that the greatest attack comes in the area of the mind. So the greatest weapon that we have is truth. The greatest weapon that the enemy has is deception and lies, and the perfect counter to that is truth, isn't it? When you know the truth, you're not taken in, you're not deceived by a lie, because you know the truth. All the purposes that God has for us are fulfilled as we discover in His Word the way to fulfill them. God's Word guides us, it shows us the path, it shows us His truth. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17 says that all Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realise what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip His people to do every good work. The Bible's claim about itself is that it isn't just the product of human reasoning. It isn't just, you know, kind of someone who came up with some some great theology or understanding about God, but that it is the very breath of God Himself. Some, the, the literal translation uh, where it says inspired by God is breathed out by God, God breathed. Four ways, there are four ways that the Word of God leads us to victory. Number one is that God's Word reveals what is true. God's Word gives us uh, the, the basis, the foundation for right thinking and living. It shows us, it reveals to us God's heart, God's mind, God's will. We talked before about how do we understand what lines up with God's purpose, what, how do we pray in a way that lines up with God? God. Getting God's Word into our mind and into our heart is a great way to start. God shows us this kind of stuff. Number two, God's Word shows me what's wrong in my life. Hebrews 4 verse 12 and 13 says, For the Word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. That's a bit uh, confronting, isn't it? If we really stop and think about God's Word exposing our innermost thoughts and desires. I'm not sure that we always want that, do we? (laughs) Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before His eyes and He is the one to whom we are accountable. 
the Word of God identifies, it points out my sin. It shows me all of my broken places. It draws my attention to the things that are holding me back from knowing God and experiencing His purposes in my life. That's important, isn't it? We need to be prepared to, uh, I guess, to, to face some of those things. As the Holy Spirit begins to identify things through His Word, areas of our life that are, that are holding us back. And if we, if we are serious about being submitted to God and wanting to grow and, and discover His purpose for our life, then we need to be able to identify and face with honesty and with humility the things that are getting in the way and holding us back. Not to stick our head in the sand and, and be in denial and go, oh, no, 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 that's fine, no, that's not a problem or you know, whatever. We stay in the same place, don't we? We don't move forward, we don't grow until we deal with those things and tackle those things that are getting in the way of our relationship with God. So the Word of God shows us where we've gotten, uh, what's wrong in our life. Number three, God's Word sets my thinking straight again. This humility and this this kind of recognition and this, this posture of submission before God, we, we need to get our, our thinking right. And number four, God's Word teaches me how to really live. God's Word is my, my tutor. God's Word is my teacher. I become a disciple of Jesus by listening to and obeying the Word of God every day. And Paul concluded that passage in, in 1 Timothy that we read by saying that God will use His Word to, to equip and prepare us. He'll say, you, you'll have everything that you need uh, you, you'll discover it all in God's Word. All that you need to, to find God's purpose, to, to, to realise it, to fulfil it, to step into it, to walk into it, if you begin to trust in God's Word. Trust in the authority of God's Word. It's His tool to shape us. How do you go at submitting to the truth of God's Word? When it, when it challenges us, when it points out sin in our life, what do we do? How do we respond? Do we surrender? Do we have that posture of, of humility, uh, of teachability, of submission to what God says in His Word? Or of denial, of, of uh, pride, of, of, you know, pretending it's, it's not there or pretending that it means something other than what it says? So firstly, we had claiming the authority of Jesus. We had, secondly, we had trusting the authority of God's Word. And thirdly, walking in the authority of the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but I have a tendency in my kind of human self, in my human mind, to want authority or power over things. But I don't always necessarily want to submit myself under things, or under people, under the power of, of other things. That's a little bit more confronting. That's kind of a, more of a position of vulnerability, isn't it? And this is true of, of how a lot of us approach the Holy Spirit. A lot of us kind of have this mindset of we want the Holy Spirit to be this, you know, almost like the force in Star Wars that we're in charge of and we're in control of. We can go, 
you know, and, and make things happen or and healing and, and circumstances change. We want to be the one who's, who's in charge and in control, but the Holy Spirit doesn't work that way. The Holy Spirit, as a, as a person of the Godhead, requires us to, to submit ourselves to His leading and His guiding if we want to see His power outworked in our life. Kind of things tend to happen on His terms and not on ours. But the secret to walking in the power of the Holy Spirit is to live in submission to the authority of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So how do you know if you are living under the authority of the Holy Spirit? Well, here's one really good way. Look at the fruit. What, what is the fruit that is growing in your life? Now, I'm not talking about, you know, we've got to be careful here because we, we find, often find it easier to look at the fruit in other people's lives and, and, and make judgments about whether other people are walking under the, the submission of the Holy Spirit. But we're talking about self-reflection here, like examine our own fruit, okay? Be, be seed sowers, not, not fruit inspectors, but um, it's important to know. But Galatians 5 uh, is, a, is a fantastic passage and we would be familiar with, with bits of it, but I want to have a, a bit of a look at, um, if you've got your Bible and you want to open and turn to it, we're going to be reading from uh, verse 16 through to 26 this morning in Galatians 5. And it starts at verse 16 and says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Paul is talking about this importance of submitting our lives to the leading and the authority of the Holy Spirit. And he's going to give us some pictures of what it looks like when we do and what it looks like when we don't, because that's going to help us to identify how we're going in it. Does that make sense? All right, so he goes on, he says... Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other so that you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. Our new life started with a change of heart, didn't it? started with this kind of transformation. When the Holy Spirit takes over in our life, we, we get a new heart. Ezekiel prophesied about how, um, at, at, you know, when, when the Messiah came, that God would be writing His laws on our heart, that He'd take away our, our heart of stone and give us a soft heart, that, that was soft to the, the voice of the Holy Spirit, that, that wanted to do the kinds of things that bring life, that, that are in agreement with the Holy Spirit. You get new passions, you get new desires, you get new motivations so that you can win the battle against your old sin nature when we are living uh, in submission to the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit is the guide, when the Holy Spirit's the one who's calling the shots and making the decisions and leading the way, then we do the kind of things that reflect God's character. We do the kind of things that reflect God's heart and we have this, this victory over our own kind of sinful nature. He goes on, he says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, here's the contrast, he says, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, 
impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarrelling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties and other sins like these. That's quite a list, isn't it? You know what I find really interesting about this list? We, we always have this, this tendency to want to rank sin, don't we? From like the, the really bad stuff, the really evil stuff like murder and, uh, and, and rape and you know, the kind of stuff that, that even our society without God looks at and, and, and frowns upon. And then we have kind of other things that, that are a little bit, you know, you know, almost we wouldn't even think about as sin. You know, quarrelling, jealousy... Uh, envy, you know, even drunkenness and wild parties these days. I mean, that, that's pretty far down the list in terms of what we view as being bad and wrong, isn't it, as a society? But here's the interesting thing is that Paul puts all of these things together and says, these are all uh, results of letting the sinful nature reign in your life. These are all the, 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 what happens when we follow the desires of our sinful nature. They're all the fruit of our sinful nature. He says, let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. When you're the boss, things get broken. By nature, we make bad decisions. <laughs> if, if our human nature is in control... Uh, we tend to mess things up. We produce bad fruit. We get stuff wrong. Paul, now, Paul isn't saying that anyone who commits one of these sins, you know, can't possibly go to heaven um, because that, that would be in contrast to what he said about forgiveness of sin and, and grace. And, and, you know, if we're in Christ, we're forgiven. Um, you know, I, I don't think there'd be too many of us. I mean, I'm sure that there's a few that probably most of us could cross off and go, no, no, I'm pretty good on that score. You know, but what about when it comes to jealousy or, or envy or dissension or division or selfish ambition or, or outbursts of anger? I think probably there are a lot of us that could probably go, oh, let's, let's, not, let's not show my scorecard on those ones. Yeah. <laughs> That's just between me and God, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, of course there's, there's forgiveness, but what he's saying is that, you know, uh, if this is the fruit that our life is producing, then we need to examine, like the the tree. Like, what, what, are we submitted to the rule of the Holy Spirit in our life? If that's the kind of decisions that we're making, if that's the kind of fruit that is being uh, witnessed and outworked in our life, he says. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives: love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Don't sing the song. Uh, There is no law against these things. When the Holy Spirit is in control, we bear beautiful fruit. We bear amazing fruit. We bear fruit that blesses people around us. Um, It's interesting too to note that Kind of when he says the the word, it's not. He doesn't talk about fruits, but fruit. It's not like these are all kind of like different. You know, you might have this one today, and you might have that one tomorrow. It's like these things are fruit that grows from your tree when the Holy Spirit's in control. 
And these, these are all things that when the Holy Spirit is leading and guiding and in charge in our life and we are submitted and surrendered to the Holy Spirit, these are all things that will grow in you. Maybe not all at the same level of visibility, maybe not all at the same level of health, but they are all growing there. Those who belong to Christ, verse 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to His cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our life. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. And here's part of the, I guess, the challenge for us or, the, or I guess the, the good news for us is that, you know, for those of us who, who've made this decision to surrender to Jesus... To, to lay down our life, part of what we have done is surrendered that, that power and control of the sinful nature, surrendered those selfish desires to the cross and nailed them there. And, and this, is, this is such an important thing because sometimes there are still uh, selfish desires, sometimes there are still kind of sinful things that are part of our old nature that we recognize and that maybe the Holy Spirit is drawing attention to and saying, hey, I want to address this, I want to change this. And, and we can have power over these, those things, we can give them to Jesus, we can let them go, we can nail those things to the cross. Jesus talked about dying to ourself, dying to, let, letting go of uh, that need to fulfill uh, those sinful desires within us. And God can give us that, uh, you know, when, when we repent of some of those things, when we, when we change our mind, when we walk away from those things, God does this work in our heart and gives us new desires and transformation. All right, we've covered a lot of ground this morning, haven't we? We talked about claiming that authority of Jesus in our life and what it means to, to pray and to serve, to battle in His name. We talked about trusting the authority of God's Word, the ways that God's Word gives us victory and shows us God's way to live. And we've talked about the, uh, about the authority of the Holy Spirit and walking in submission to the Holy Spirit. And I encourage you... Um, to go back over some of this stuff. Go back when you, you have time to sit, to think it over, talk about it with the Holy Spirit, pray over some things and, and ask the Holy Spirit to show you some things when you have time to, to stop and listen and think through things a little bit more. And, uh, and be ready, I suppose. Be, be willing to, I guess, face some of those things. If the Holy Spirit begins to identify things that... Um, maybe you need to think on more or some things that you need to think about differently to, to change your mind about. Maybe there's some things that the Holy Spirit will challenge you to repent of as, as you're going over this. But I encourage you to do that. Like I said before, a lot, of, a lot of this stuff comes back to being surrendered and submitted fully to God. A lot of what we talked about is about surrendering fully to God, about recognizing that He's the King and our need to come under His authority in every area of our life. Maybe the Holy Spirit's going to talk to you and show you some areas where you've not yet fully submitted and surrendered, that you're still hanging on to control, you're still hanging on to that decision 
making capacity or decision making um, ability in that area of your life and he's, he's wanting to challenge you to surrender that area of your life to him anew. Maybe you've done it before, Somet- this is what happens with me sometimes, I surrender something and then you know like a week later something happens and I want to take it back again. <laughs> I'm sure that you guys won't be able to identify with that at all um, but uh, maybe there are some areas where you go, you know, I know I've done it before but I need to surrender this again today. I've, I've been sort of slowly taking bits back um, and I need to lay that down again at, the f- at, at Jesus' feet and say, God, I surrender to you, I submit to you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the authority that you give us in Jesus. We thank you for the authority of your word that leads us and guides us. And Father, we thank you for the authority of your spirit. Lord, as we take these things away, even now, God, we we know that you've been speaking to our hearts and and maybe putting your finger on things that that you're wanting to address in our lives, that you're wanting to talk to us about, that you're wanting to to show and reveal to us. Lord, in order to help us to to grow, in order to help us to move on, in order to help us to, to draw nearer to you in that intimate relationship that we have. Lord, I just pray for each one of us, Lord, that you would give us wisdom, that you give us that boldness to once again to trust you, to put you in that place of ultimate authority in our life. That once again, we would surrender fully and submit completely to you and your will for our life. I pray this in Jesus' name, knowing that it is your will for us and knowing that it, 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 that is your desire. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's message. For more information or to listen to other podcasts, head to our website at bethelcrc.org.au or check out Bethel Family Church on Facebook.